What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's AT&T Byron Nelson, the final event before the PGA Championship. And because of that, because of the proximity, because of the way the rest of the schedule kind of rolled out, this is a pretty good field. Seven of the top 15 players in the world, everybody kind of getting their last licks in before we go to Southern Hills next week. And we have, again, just enough information to be dangerous, right? One year's worth of data for TPC Craig Ranch. That's where we're going to go. Uh, we'll jump into that in a second, but just a reminder, everything that you see on this video, it's available on my website, rickrungood.com. It's a very large golf database, uh, essentially only for fantasy and betting and all your nerdy golf data needs. I like it, and I think you will too. I guess let's just jump right into this. TPC Craig Ranch. What do we know? Okay. AT&T Byron Nelson. This event has been played for about a billion years. It's been around forever. Last year was the first time they went to Craig Ranch. And it is, um, it was really easy. Like, let's be real. I think 25 under par was the winning score. Uh, it broke the tournament scoring record. It was very wet last year. It's probably not going to be that wet this year, although you are still looking at uh, generous landing areas off the tee. You're looking at large greens over 7,000 uh, or almost 7,000 square feet to, um, uh, to, to hit your second shots into the regression model that I run that, that attempts to find the most correlated stats to success. Remember, it's only one year's worth of data. So it's a very small sample size. But what we see is that strokes gained approach is the most important stat. In fact, there's only one other course on the PGA Tour schedule in which strokes gained approach was more important. Um, you know, a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that we just have one, uh, one, year's worth of data. Remember last week, I believe for TPC Potomac, we had the, was it the first or second uh, highest correlated stat in terms of driving accuracy is what I, is what I believe it was. Uh, but again, that was only two years worth of data. So when you get just a few years, it can be a little extreme at times. But I think if you look at it, the larger greens, uh, you know, that that ends up turning into are you hitting it to the correct part of the green? And then you kind of want to consider, uh, you know, three putt avoidance a little bit more because the larger the greens you get, the more three putt situations that you do encounter. And I, I think it's going to play harder, but not significantly harder, maybe 18 to 22 under par, probably not 25 under par unless a bunch of rain gets dumped on the area over the course of the next couple of days. And it's I still think it's going to be fairly generous for like your track man golfers, right? The guys that are able to hit the correct number, fly at that number. You're not going to have to worry about the creativity of uh, hitting a bunch of different shots into these greens, letting the ball roll. It's just, I don't think it's going to happen as much. I think it's going to be a pretty easy golf course, all things considered. Um, and I think you're going to be able to make a lot of birdies around here. So we're just kind of looking for approach players. We're looking for guys that are hot coming in. There's plenty of them, right? Jordan Spieth coming in uh, off of victory. Uh, Scotty Scheffler coming in off of his last uh, regular individual victory. Played the Zurich Classic in between, but um, obviously that's a team event. So there's, there's just a lot happening here. I'm going to use the data when we get to the custom model, but um, remember, again, just, just one year's worth. So let's go to the cheat sheet. And I did make a couple of updates here. And you'll see, actually, as I record this, I just pushed through a new update. So, like, 
what you're even seeing on my screen right now is probably not what you are going to see by the time you go and look at this. Like some of the the um, you know the filters at the top, they haven't come through yet, but they're there. Don't worry, all the data is accurate. So what I've added is I've added uh, driving distance gained and fairways gained uh, to the metrics portion of this. So you can actually see, for example, Scotty Scheffler over his last 24 rounds is seven and a half yards longer off the tee on average uh, than the field that day. So it's all broken down by round. Uh, he's a little bit more wild. He's missing three and a half uh, more fairways. He's missing them. So you can adjust the uh, number of rounds in the upper right-hand corner as you'd like. So just a little bit of a more data, hopefully a little bit easier to consume here. Uh, four golfers over $10,000 at the moment. Scotty Scheffler's 10-9, Justin Thomas is 10-6, Dustin Johnson 10-2, Jordan Spieth $10,100. I can already hear the incoming Texas narratives, right? McKinney's about 30 minutes from Dallas. You're going to get all the Texas narratives, Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth and uh, everybody else here. So so let's let's break this down. Scotty Scheffler's clearly been phenomenal, right? He uh, wins the Masters, wins the, wins the WGC match play. Um, I mean, he's gaining two strokes to the field over the course of his last 24 rounds. He's well-rounded, all that fun stuff. Uh, the guy that I'm laser focused on is is Justin Thomas, ten thousand six hundred dollars, and you you know he has not won in the calendar year yet. Which, if he doesn't win in 2022, it'll be the first time in like nine years that he hasn't won a golf tournament. Certainly not for lack of good play or lack of trying. Since the calendar turned, he has one, two, three, four, five top ten finishes in. Nine starts, something like that. He's gaining a ton of strokes on approach. The putter, this is such an encouraging sign as well, right? The fact that three of his last six starts, he's gained at least two and a half strokes with the putter. That's very good. Give me a pop JT putting week. You go to the power rankings and you look at the last 24 rounds. Uh, Kurt Kitayama has been unbelievable on approach. Justin Thomas phenomenal 1.01 kitiyama almost 1.4 it's actually kind of crazy right now um jt you combine that with the off the t play he's gaining across the board in the last 24 he's better than kitiyama from t to green he's much better than kitiyama um in terms of strokes gain total as you can imagine if we look at the last 24 rounds for everybody in this field it's scotty scheffler then it's justin thomas that is it like very very small and jt is uh, not saying scotty's not hungry like jt's hungry right jt's a winner uh i just love the $300 discount i mean i actually want to see what has what has justin thomas's salaries been as of late let's look so he was 11,100 at the RBC Heritage. He was 10-3 at the Masters, always soft pricing there. 11,000 at the Valspar, 10-4 at the Players, 10-7 at the Genesis, 11,000 in Phoenix. So he's 10-6. I mean, it's pretty reasonable. It's on the middle to lower end of the range. Justin Thomas often over $11,000 and usually when he comes down it's just for the bigger events, which is when you generally get the softer pricing. So now you kind of get an opportunity where yeah, it's a good field but it's not a major championship you know the pga championship he's probably going to be well let's see what he was at last year's pga championship before i even just like speculated this he was 11th out wow he's 11-3 last year at the pga championship i bet he's cheaper than that this time around unless he wins uh wins the golf tournament this year because he had just come off the players win uh last year as well but J jt's kind of got my my full attention here um it's it, it just makes too much sense 10,100 is Jordan Spieth, and I, I was I was about to describe him as a sleeping giant. 
I, I guess that can't be true when your name's Jordan Spieth and you're coming off of an RBC Heritage victory. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there is still a ton of ceiling to tap into. Uh, this is statistically Jordan Spieth's worst putting season basically ever. Uh, in 2012, he only had 16 measured rounds. He lost over a stroke per round with the putter. 13 was like his first full season. This is by far his worst putting season like as a full-time player. And if you look at the metrics, he lost two and a half strokes putting at the RBC Heritage. Uh, he has now lost in five straight. He's now lost in six of seven. He's now lost in seven of nine. It's horrendous. Yet, he still has the runner-up finish at Pebble Beach. He has the win at Heritage, losing two and a half strokes putting. I, I just think there's still more to squeeze out of this for Spieth, which is really, really scary for everybody else, isn't it? If he's going to gain four and a half strokes off the tee, he's going to gain nearly five on approach. If he's going to gain two or three around the green, and then he just puts to a zero, like maybe he just wins everything, right? Like when, do we really think that Jordan, like is Jordan Spieth lost with the putter? Probably not, right? I mean, he is currently, but uh, look at the track record. Look at the track record. I mean, he gained at least a third of a stroke or a quarter of a stroke putting in 21, in 2019, in 2017, in 2016, in 2015, and in 2014. Do we do we think he's forgotten all of that? I don't know. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of ceiling to squeeze out of him. I think he's the most volatile guy in the ten thousand dollar range. But my God, like I I'm I'm worried that if he gains three strokes putting this week, he wins by six. The 9K range here, uh, really fascinating 9K range. So I think Will Zalatoris is going to be very popular. We'll talk about him in a second. He should be. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama at 9,900. Played the Masters, finished 14th. He has been battling injury all year long. He's been withdrawing from some events. He's just, it's, it has not been, it's been a, it's actually been a pretty decent run if you've invested in uh, Hideki in outrights because you've gotten the Zozo win, you've gotten the uh, Sony Open victory, but then you've got a lot of question marks since then. And because he's 9,900, the most expensive guy in the $9,000 range, I think a lot of people are just going to scroll past, take Xander, Burns, Zalatoris, you can argue, kept, like whatever you want. Look at this. Last 25 rounds. So when he plays, he plays awesome. He is maybe one of the few guys in this field that is gaining strokes in all four major strokes gain categories, is gaining distance to the field, and is gaining accuracy to the field. Xander Shoffley is another one of the guys at the top of the board, but that's a pretty rare combination because the guys that hit it long don't necessarily hit it straight, and the guys that are great approach players don't always putt it well, right? So it's it's pretty rare when you start scrolling through and looking at guys that are literally green across the board. Hideki's one of them. So you kind of have to be willing to swallow whatever risk you think there is. Now, is this Hideki testing the body to see if he can go before the PGA Championship? Obviously, that's much more important to him. But if you think that the last month has been enough time to get right for Hideki, that's the last time we saw him, right? The Masters was a month ago. He's been awesome. Like this is like, and and if we think this course is going to be a TrackMan competition where the best approach players are going to rise to the top again that's Hideki look at the putter look at the putter in 2022 why has he had so much success he's putting out of his mind he he's he's likely figured something out he's got tangible gains uh for the almost the entirety of the calendar year especially when you start comparing it to some of the stretches that he had gone through previous to that so if you can muster it or stomach it 
Hideki feels like the X factor this week. It's likely that uh, a lot of the ownership in the $9,000 range gets sucked up by Will Zalatoris. You're going to get the standard Zalatoris love, which... He, you know, he's been great. He's got a bunch of top 10 finishes. You're going to get the Texas narrative boost. You're going to get the approach play boost. Last uh, three starts, fifth at the match play, which is uh, technically that means he lost in the Elite Eight. Sixth at the Masters, fourth at the Zurich Classic with uh, his partner. So you're talking about three straight trips to like the top of the leaderboard. He had the runner-up finish at the Farmers where he lost in a playoff uh, to Luke List. He is one of the best approach players that we have. Like, yeah, I I, I get it. Like, I, I get the love for Will Zalatoris. I'm going to have to wait and see in terms of his ownership. I'd probably just rather bet him outright or bet him in a bunch of matchups. I'm not sure fantasy circles where kind of game theory is going to be the best place to play him, but we'll see. We'll find out Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Rick Rungood YouTube channel on the live chat. We'll know. We can talk through it all, but I just have a feeling that Zalator sucks up a lot of the ownership in that in that uh, 9K range. But but look at this. Look at right below uh, Will Zalator's. Joaquin Neiman's here, 9,300. So I've got the last 25 rounds loaded up. They are quite similar in the last 25 rounds. Uh, Neiman is actually gaining one more fantasy point gained per round. So fan fantasy points gained. That is round by round. I'm taking the scoring metrics, how many birdies, how many eagles, all that stuff, not taking into consideration the finishing position, obviously, because it's round by round. And um, comparing that to the field average for that day, and then saying if you, get, you know, if you scored 25 and the field average was 20, that's five fantasy points gained so on average Neiman's been one per round better that's a lot over 25 rounds he is they are basically uh both gaining a half a stroke uh or more off the tee so so Zalatoris has been a little bit better there Neiman's been a little bit better on approach Neiman's been way better around the green and Zalatoris has been a little bit better in terms of putting uh I, I, maybe it's Neiman's week right like if that maybe that's the natural pivot. And again, we could talk about this on Wednesday, uh, but I just think there's going to be a lot of Zalatoris love, and you have a guy who's playing very similar, if not better, uh, for one hundred dollars cheaper. Tommy Fleetwood worries me a bit uh, at a flat nine thousand dollars, which I think is. I mean, this could burn me, right? This this could really burn me here. But the results are really good for Tommy for Tommy Lad. I'm kind of worried about how he's doing it. So, um, I have the numbers here somewhere cause I wrote this down. Okay. So over his last six measured starts, these events right here, Honda classic through RBC heritage, throw the Zurich out. Cause we don't have the stat breakdown. He's gained 35 strokes to the field in total. 32 of them are coming via the short game categories around the green and putting. It's like 90% of his strokes gained are coming in the short game categories. It's concerning for two reasons. One, that's just unlikely to be sustainable, right? He gains eight strokes putting at the RBC Heritage, finishes T10. The around the green play, I don't think is all that important this week. And if you're tapping into that, which is what he's been awesome at, uh, if you're tapping into that, you're you're probably in, in trouble. And then also, I just think that this is like an approach play place. And Tommy's been fine tour average, right? It just, if you're gaining 90% of your strokes in the short game categories, I'm I'm... I'm quite concerned about that sustaining itself for a long period of time. The 8K range here. This is kind of interesting. Uh, Taylor Gooch is 8,600. Feels like we have not talked about Taylor Gooch in a minute, right? Like, my gosh, I feel like I haven't said 
uh, Gucci's name in quite some time. So uh, 21st at the Zurich Classic, he played with Homa. Homa obviously just coming off the victory. 14th at the Masters, and he just missed out on getting out of his group at the match play. Um, finished T7 at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and he was horrible at the Players' Championship. He could have been on the wrong side of the draw at the Players. I don't remember that. Um, but what do we know about Gooch? Uh, he is decently long off the tee. 65th in distance. He is less accurate than that. 86th in accuracy. That's okay. That's perfect around here. You kind of want him on these courses that allow you to kind of hit it anywhere and then tap into the second shot. So, so again, I don't like these buckets, but when you rank inside the top 50 in three different buckets, it's no surprise that you're top 20 in strokes gained approach. And when one of those buckets is the longer bucket, 200 to 225, where he's 14th, that's kind of interesting. Actually, his his um, proximity from 200 to 225 is only a foot and an inch worse than that from 175 to 200. Probably another reason why those things don't matter all that much. Here's what I also love about Gooch. Um his strokes gain putting number is basically tour average, right? But what you see from him is pop weeks, five and a half at the masters, 4.3 at the players championship, even gaining two. When you're a good of a ball uh, approach player as Gooch, that's great. When he won at the RSM classic, he gains five. That is in there. A, f- a plus five putting week is in the range of outcomes for Taylor Gooch. What I additionally also love as if there was like, but wait, there's more three putt avoidance fourth on tour. Dude never three putts. Never three putts. Even when he's not like putting well, he doesn't three putt. He just hits it to he hits it to six feet and misses the putt. Um, which is kind of one of the detriments on these greens that skew larger. That three putt avoidance becomes um <clears throat> excuse me, a bit more important. So Gooch at 8,600, hoping that everyone's like, ah, I forgot Taylor Gooch existed. I'll just play Johnny Vegas and Jason Kokrak before he heads to Saudi Arabia and like all that stuff. Like that's, that's my hope here. Speaking of, um, speaking of Johnny Vegas, I don't think it's the worst spot for him. I'd like to see him drive it a little bit better. He's been tour average over the last 25 rounds off the tee, which is rare for Vegas, but he's been great on approach. He has a top 10 at this event last year at Craig Ranch. He's coming off of 15th at the Wells Fargo Championship. The bottom of his $8,000 range is really enticing. 8,100 Aaron Wise, who I am such a sucker. 8,000 for Adam Hadwin. 8,000 for Cam Champ. I actually... Uh, just in terms of recent memory, would look towards the Mexico Open for, hey, generous driving off the tee, longer irons into these greens. Guys that might have had success at Vidanta might also be having success at Craig Ranch. Well, Aaron Wise, who I've bet, I was actually just going through my spreadsheet, I've bet like 20 times this year. Uh, And if he won this week, I'd probably break even. But Sixth in Mexico, 21st of the RBC Heritage. I will not bore you with another Aaron Wise rant. Adam Hadwin, look at this. 10th of the players, 7th at Valspar, 4th at Valero, 26th at the RBC Heritage, still gaining a ton of strokes on approach, gaining off the tee, gaining across the board. Actually, um, one of the few guys who's gaining across the board. He's been a half a yard longer than field average in distance. It's good enough. It's a positive. He is gaining across the board. And then Cam Champ, who, again, look at the last two starts, Mexico and the Masters, uh, where you can kind of be pretty wayward off the tee and hope the rest of your game figures it out. And I like the price tag on Champ. I'm sure he was more expensive in Mexico. Now you get a better price at $8,000. And if he finishes sixth, you're not feeling disappointed like you were um 
when we saw him in Mexico because he was a bit more expensive. He was out in the lead for the vast majority. He kind of punted it away at the end. Like the bottom of the 8K range feels like three guys that, that kind of have me excited. Now, before we jump into the 7K range, let me just run you through a couple of things real quick. We'll just go to the Holy Grail because I know somebody's going to ask and we can just we can just do it. Let's just fire up this field um, with, whoops, I'm on the wrong tab. That's why that's not working. Let's just fire up this field with uh, guys that played Craig Ranch last year. Like, let's just look at it. It's obviously one year. I'm not going to put a, a ton of emphasis on it, but I know the questions are going to be asked. So here we go. Uh, best players in this field. It's basically just the leaderboard from last year, right? KH Lee gained 3.8. Sam Burns, Scott Stallings, Charles Schwartzel, Patton Kazire. We'll talk about Kazire in a second. Bramlett, Doc Redman, Johnny Vegas. So we're entering the 7K range. Well, KH Lee's in there. Scott Stallings is in there. Patton Kazire is in there. Seamus Power, 7,900 is next. Those are kind of your best guys in the $7,000 range. Let's go to the trends tool. See if we can find some breakout candidates. So this who's hot table uh, basically just compares whatever time frame that you want uh, to each golfer's 100 round baseline. And you can see who's kind of the hottest players in the field. Well, the first four hottest golfers are all in this 7K range that we are about to enter. Sepp Straka, Sean Norris, Brandon Wu, Matthew Neesmith. Now, you kind of have to look at how they're doing it. Now, not all of Sean Norris's rounds are PGA Tour measured rounds, so you got to be a little bit careful here. But um, I would prefer the gains to be coming not in the short game category. So, for example, you can see Sepp Straka's number, uh, number one here, but he's gaining a half a stroke around the green, another three quarters with the putter. It's like, wow, yeah, that's... That's kind of a lot. He is driving it better. Um, but like someone like Matthew Neesmith, who, yes, of course he's gaining more than his 100-round baseline around the green and with the putter, but combined those two, it's only about a third of a stroke. He's gaining more than a third of a stroke off the tee. He's been a little bit better on approach, which is hard to do because he's already a very good approach player. So kind of looking at how these are happening, even Kurt Kitayama been phenomenal in the ball striking categories. Uh, basically a stroke per round better over his last 24 than he had compared to his last 100. Uh, that's awesome. And you're getting the bonus of a really hot putter as well. So when you combine all that and you look at like, who are the most likely guys to break out? So this says who is hitting it well and who is uh, putting well below their baseline. Um, Notice where Jordan Spieth's at, right? He's not in the top left-hand quadrant, but he's in like the far left because he is, um, you know, hitting it so well. There's there's room for uh, a little bit of a ceiling. Guys like Alex Noren and Aaron Wise and Harry Higgs and Austin Cook and Bryce Garnett and even uh, Patrick Flavin and Michael Gligic, like th those would be the guys that I would be that I would be focusing on. You know, Kurt Kitayama. See, you wonder if this is a little bit too lucky with the putter over here. The Kitayamas, the Sepp Strakas, the Brandon Woos, but they're they're all all the names that I mentioned are, are at least on the better side of the quadrant upper left is 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 ideally where you'd uh where you'd like to be bottom right is like the worst place that you could be so as you digest that, here's the 7K range. Norin popped up in a couple of those models. He's made a bunch of cuts in a row. He finished 21st here last year. Uh, Seamus Power, very disappointing miscut at the Wells Fargo Championship. Finished ninth here last year. Maybe that's a buyback opportunity. This is a zigzag game. And, and it's actually, I actually think it's really great that we went, so we went um, Masters, Harbor Town, Mexico, TPC Potomac. Masters is like, Generous off the tee. RBC Heritage is precision. Mexico, generous off the tee. Potomac, you have to be precise. 
Now we're going back to generous off the tee, right? So we've just been zigzagging the last couple of weeks and guys like Mark Leishman, who we correctly identified last week as probably not good, not good plays for TPC Potomac, I think gets a pretty big boost this week. Look at it. Look at the, you know, gaining a yard and a third per round in distance, but losing in terms of fair. He sprays it off the tee. We know that. So go to a place where that's not as important and you start to get excited again. So we're zigzagging here. Um, Mav McNeely, God, I will uh, I'll continue to lose a lot of money on him as well. Just the, continues to pile up decent finishes. Did not play Craig Ranch here last year. Again, I won't bore you with the McNeely rant, but everything that I've said over the last you know six months still, still applies here for, for McNeely. You know, Harmon's been really stout here, but I it's kind of the opposite. Can he play well? Of course, but like look at look at his big edge. His his huge edge is uh hitting a ton more fairways than everybody else, and he loses distance. Let's let's flip that around, right? So you look at someone like Lonto, who loses on accuracy, uh, but gains on distance like Mark Leishman does. You're like, okay, that that's probably a better fit. Now, Lonto's gone 15th in Mexico and 6th at TPC Potomac. We might need to deep dive Lonto here because um, he might be one of the few guys that has two top 15s in each of the last two weeks and wildly different courses. Let's see what Lonto's been up to on a little bit of a deeper dive here because we've not deep uh, we've not done this in a while and it might be a Lonto kind of week. Three-putt avoidance, very good. 22nd on tour. I talked about the distance and accuracy stuff. Yeah, look at this, man. Oh, he's going to kill us. We're going to spend a lot of money on Lonto, aren't we? Plus four off the tee in both Mexico and Maryland. Great. Plus three on approach in Mexico. Plus five and a half on approach at the Wells Fargo. The big loser around the green. I don't care. If you lose around the green, so be it. This isn't a, 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 an entirely more difficult place. Wow. All right. Well. I'm writing Lonto's name down. I guess I'm going to have to bet him this week. Uh, that that feels pretty pretty darn good at 7,700. Kurt Kitayama, another one of these guys in the 7K range that has done um, splendid in the last two weeks at two different places. Runner-up in a 15th, down on fairways, up on distance. That's good for this week. Approach play, been phenomenal. Let's just pull up the Kitayama. Kitayama gained, um, last week was his best tee to green week ever. I think it was like 10 strokes. It was like by far his best ever. Now he's a young guy. I don't have a ton of rounds on him. This is his first full season. But look at this. Plus eight on approach last week. Plus four on approach in Mexico. Plus two last week off the tee. Plus three in Mexico. Wow. Really, really good looking stat profile here. And he's uh, he's kind of sneaky long, right? Kind of sneaky long. 45th on tour in driving distance. So that probably makes him like 20th in this field. Actually, I guess I could just sort it, but you get my you get my picture here. Really good stuff from Kitayama. I'd probably probably be willing to take um, about a half a flyer on Matthew Wolf here. Uh, here's the stat profile. He was basically a zero off the tee, small loser. Gained on approach for the first time since the Shriners. Gained tee to green for the first time since Houston. So basically the first time in 2022. This is probably one of the better setups for him. Did he play this last year? No, he didn't. Um, again, it'd be like half a flyer on Matthew Wolf because I still think there's a lot to prove here. But if you're trying to be early on someone, these are the breadcrumbs that when you start seeing 
uh, get laid down, you think, okay, well, he's had his best week in multiple categories of the year, and this should be a pretty good spot for him. Half a flyer. Uh, if you're wondering why Sean Norris is showing up in all like the the top strokes gained categories, this this is why. So uh, he hasn't played since the Stein City Championship. That was March 20th. He won that event. Uh, before that, he had a couple. Of, I mean, these are all Euro Tour events, and he's got one, two, three. He's only played four times worldwide this year. Uh, but if you go back five starts, he has a win, a ninth, and a third. So that's why you see. Plus 17 strokes gained T degree, plus nine, plus nine. So it's a really small sample size, and he hasn't played in a while. Uh, and now he's coming over to play the PGA Tour. Last time he played on the PGA Tour, T39 at the Zozo, missed the Open Championship. Has he played like a, uh, I'm sure he has at some point, like a non-WGC regular tour stop on the PGA Tour? Non-major, non-WGC? Maybe he hasn't, actually. It doesn't look like he has. This looks like his first ever regular tour stop. I guess because he's going to play the PGA Championship next week. Interesting, hmm. fascinating stuff. But that's why he's popping up on like strokes game. Like that. That. That's why. Uh, briefly mentioned Kazire earlier, and I, and I still I think it's fair, right? We saw him finish twenty sixth sixth at RBC Heritage. He had a third place finish here last year. He's got a bunch of kind of top thirty fives. Uh, longer than he is accurate, which is good here. Um, He's gaining a half a stroke on approach. The only place he's losing is off the tee. And again, we know it's because he's spraying it. That gets a little bit better here. Uh, generally, over the years, has been someone who outperforms his finishing position with fantasy points. He's kind of a, a streaky guy, can make birdie streaks, can sneak an eagle in here and there. So I think he's better for fantasy purposes than a lot of other purposes. He's $7,100 down there at the bottom of the 7K range. Uh, 6K range. 6K range. Not a ton of stuff uh, to love here. Martin Laird did post top 15s, or excuse me, Steven Yeager, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong line, did post uh, two top 15s in each of the last two weeks, 15th and, and 6th, trying to turn his season around. And actually, Yeager, let me check something real quick. Yeah, okay, I thought so. Yeager also uh, made the cut at the Zerk. I think he played with Joel Damon. And if you remember... Uh, I, I'll just half pat myself on the back for this one. I looked at that team and I was like, man, you know, Jaeger's who, who Jaeger was great on the corn, on the corn ferry last year. This has not been a good season for him. He'll tell you that. I was like, maybe he just needs a format change, right? Maybe he just kind of needs something different. Like some of these guys are so mental and they get caught in this routine. And when you are not playing well, your routine is just not playing well. And then you get to break it up with either a match play event or a team event or something. And now since then, well, 15th and T6th. He's gained seven strokes on approach in the last two weeks. It's just by far his best two-week performance of his PGA Tour career. A little bit reliant on the short game, but he's been, throughout this bad run, he has been a good short game player. Putter, good as well. So it, really all we're asking him to kind of do is give us this same stat profile. Give us that same stat profile over the last uh, two weeks, and I think you'd be pretty happy about the returns that you'd get from Steven Yeager. What I'll actually do now that I have the um, I have the salary ranges up here, so I'll just select the $6,000 range, and then we can kind of manipulate uh, some of the data from there. So let's just do everybody in the 6K range, strokes gain total. Well, Mark Hubbard, which we know a lot of that is um, Corn Fairy stuff. Mac Meissner. 
6200 i imagine that's a lot of corn fairy stuff as well actually we could just do let's just do weighted what am i what am i doing here weighted strokes gain total six thousand dollar range will at number one point eight six hubbard's still up there but he drops uh a little bit 0.84 then there's a pretty big gap those two weighted strokes gain total almost doubling up everybody else because then it's piercy at 6700 rider at 6700 they're like half a stroke gained lashley who withdrew would you be willing to go back to last year? It was a toe injury, I believe, is what he cited at the Wells Fargo. Because he's been great. But I guess you got to be a little bit worried about that. Callum Taron, who got off to a hot start last week, finished 56, has made two cuts in a row, quite long in the data that we have on him, off the tee, and quite inaccurate. Probably a decent setup here. Let's look at the weighted strokes gained approach players here. Donald number one, Stewart two, Stenson three, Doc four. I mean, I guess it's Laird again, right? I mean, he's he's the he's really one of the few guys gaining. He's the only guy gaining a third of a stroke off the tee, a third of the stroke on approach. Uh, now he's giving a lot of that back on the putting surfaces, as you can imagine. Jared Wolf, very long, has missed two cuts in a row. I'm kind of just doing the research here with you. Long off the tee, gaining 11 yards per round, but he's a zero off the tee, which means he sprays it. Pretty good on approach. Zero around the green, bad putter. Let me just let me just deep dive his. We'll get. I'll, I'll go run a model. That'll that'll un, un, unveil a couple more guys as well. But let's just do a Jared. We've done now both wolves, so you can't say that I have any <clears throat> wolf bias here. So two cuts in a row with Wells Fargo and uh, the Mexico Open, just kind of being tour average, just kind of being tour average. He's got a couple of decent finishes, Valero T29, Puerto Rico T28. It's a mixed bag. I, I would say this is one of the you know better setups for him, but I, I, don't, I don't know how much I'd be investing. I just wanted to kind of see. Okay, let's run a model here. Uh, we are in the thick of the season, so let's just say last 16 rounds. Last 16 rounds, we are going to... Take into account, uh, okay, let's think about this. I think you want, um, I guess the longer the better. So let's put 20 on distance. Let's put 25 on weighted strokes gained approach. The fours and fives, you gotta kind of dominate. So let's go 15 on par four scoring, 15 on par five scoring. There was something else I was thinking about here. I've got 25 weights left. I could kind of go for split these two buckets, 175 to 200 and then over 200. Let's try that. Let's say 12 on 175 to 213, my remaining 13 on 200 yards plus. Kind of a little free. It's a little bit freaky for me. Um, you know, on Wednesday when somebody asked me to run another model, I'll I'll probably put birdie or better in. I'll probably do some other stuff. But let's just let's just run this. My number one golfer is oh boy. All right, that's good. Justin Thomas, JT number one, Scotty Scheffler number two, Burns three, Hideki four. Hideki's been that good. So no real surprises there. Brooks five, Xander six, Vegas is seven, Neiman is eight. So Neiman uh, showing up before Will Zalatoris, who I imagine is going to be very popular. Where is Zalatoris on my ranking here? 22nd. Okay. A little love for Neiman. DJ9, Gooch10. Let's go. 
Aaron Wise, 11. Spieth, 12. McNeely, 13. Kazire, 14. Kitayama, 15. Okay. Where's my first 6K guy? Hudson Swafford, 20th. Then Bramlett, 31st. So, wow. Not a lot of love for the 6K range in this model. Um, I Could I load up on a balanced lineup? Could I avoid JT and Scheffler, load up on the 9s and the 7s? Like Neiman, Neiman, Vegas, McNeely, I don't know. Some, something something like that? I could. I guess I've got to start figuring out uh, those situations there. Okay. Lots more to come. Tuesday and Friday, scramble shows, live shows, interactive shows with Andy Lack uh, coming this week, 12 p.m. noon. That's noon. Eastern, Tuesday and Friday. Wednesday's the live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern. And uh, yeah, should be fun. Should, and then I imagine at some point this week, the PGA Championship uh, uh, salaries are going to come out. So I'll update the cheat sheet and we'll just jump into all that fun stuff. So uh, looking forward to it. Tweet me at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck this week. And I'll talk to you guys later.